Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Robbie. I know that I am very, very excited about what the Lord is doing this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and patience to let us start at 10 o'clock. I know that 11 o'clock, if you want to stay, uh, you're more than welcome. We encourage you to stay for the selection show. I'm excited about that and what the Lord is doing. And what God has been laying on my heart is that God is trying to get our attention. The Lord is trying to get our attention so much. He's been trying to say, and I've, I've tried to hopefully put this out the last couple of weeks, that God is saying more than anything else that I am faithful, I am faithful, I am faithful, and you can trust me. He is saying that to us and declaring that to us in a powerful way. God is trying to get our attention and say, I am faithful. He has proven it. In the sports arena with this team, I told you the difference in budgets and everything else. He has been faithful. If he does it for them, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for me. He is faithful. But I am concerned about the ways that Satan tries to come in. You see, here's what's happening. We're moving in next week, Thanksgiving, all this stuff. It's great. Uh, it's legally, you can get fat. In Jesus' name, no, I'm kidding. All that stuff you can do. But what I want to say is this, is that and all the thanks and all the stuff that's happening and all the excitement, I mean, this is a great time of the year. There's still a deception that lies in. Listen, I want you to hear this. I, I, I just have to read it because I can't say any better than Piper. He says this. He said, the point I'm trying to press in on is that Satan knows and uses this. Where faith in God fails, sin follows. Where faith in God fails, sin what? Follows. Just let it sit. Where faith in God fails. That's what he's going to attack. He's going to attack your faith. He's going to attack my faith. He's going to attack our faith. Listen to this. Well, I love what John 8.44 says. Whenever he, Satan, speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now get this. So what is his main strategy? Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. He goes, the beginning of all of our misery came from Satan's great first success on the earth. And listen to this. It was not by means of scaring it was the serpent there in Genesis 3. It was not my means of scaring. It was not by means of harassing. It was not by means of possessing, he said. But it was by means of deceiving. Can, can I get a witness? Anybody been in a relationship, a couple relationships, y'all know what I'm talking about? It, it's not by means of scaring. It's not by means of possessing. Satan didn't possess them. He didn't harass them. It was by means of deceiving. And yet, so I want to say today, I want to kind of put, juxtapose God's faithfulness versus deception. Uh, God's trustworthiness versus can he be trusted. 
I want to put that today. Why? Because here is what happens. Where truth is embraced, he said, and God is cherished above all, the power of sin is broken. Listen, where truth is embraced and God is cherished, that means if I can just put my faith in him, sin is broken. I don't have to worry about managing sin. I don't have to worry about cleaning up my mouth. I don't have to worry about cleaning up my act. My whole goal in life, John Davis's whole goal in life, is to trust Jesus with everything that I have. And don't think for a moment that I wake up every moment thinking that I that I can do it. Sometimes I just have to sit and listen to sermon jams. I have to, it takes me five or ten minutes to break the hardness of my heart some days just to listen to so to get to where I'm workable. Now I don't know if you follow in that that way, but it does. God is trying to get our attention. Listen, He is faithful. I want to show you He is faithful. Genesis chapter 2. This is so good. And while you're turning there, I'm going to say a prayer. Father, thank you for the prayers of Robbie. Thank you for the prayers of these saints. Lord, I humbly come before you and I worship for you. But I want to say, Lord, this. If you don't show up and make yourself big and strong, then, Lord, what I'm trying to communicate will, will never happen. Uh, I'm begging you, Lord. I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the spirit and of power that today we might understand that we can trust the Lord. That we can trust him. It's not about cleaning up sin. It's not about that, Lord. You came to people who were in the midst of sin, who were caught in the midst of sin, who were being punished and crucified for their sin. You came to them sin in that sin, and you lifted them up, Lord. We don't have to fix it. We don't have to fix ourselves. Because we can't. You're the only one who can. I'm begging you, Lord, as I focus on you today, please show us. Please forgive me my sins. And Lord, I pray that uh, your word would go forth powerfully, that we would be changed because your Holy Spirit's at work. Not because in the way I present it or declare it or proclaim it, but in the way that you move because of it. So we worship you today and we trust you and we praise you. And all God's people say, what? Okay, Genesis 2.8. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The gospel of Jesus is so trustworthy. And God is so faithful. Look at what He does. He not only inspires us what to do, but He puts us in the place to do what we're to do. He not only inspires us what to do, but He puts us in the place of what to do. Genesis 2 Verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the weir, saints, in Eden, and there he what? He put man, he put the man he had formed. Adam was not created in the garden. Eve was. But man was put there. In other words, listen, God said in verse 15, look down in verse 15, this is pretty impressive stuff. In verse 15, he says this, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God gives us what to do, but he also gives us the place to do what he has called us to do. God is also about location as much as he is vocation. In other words, I, 
Adam could not be successful in a place outside where God was going to place him. Why? Because it's not so much the location that makes us successful, but it's walking in the presence of God in the place that God has placed us. See, God can be trustworthy in that. in, In other words, what happened? When their location changed... Also, their vocation changed. Yes, in uh, Genesis 2.15, he was to work. But you'll see in Genesis 3.17, after the curse, he says that it will be toil. It goes from work to toil. Why? Because will the land produce what he needs? Yes. But will it also produce thorns and thistles? Will there be pain? Will there be agony? Will there be some suffering with it? Yes. Because the location had changed. And the location was, he was ostracized from the presence of God. But God is saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. There is always a promised land. There's always a place for us to serve him. Now, i got to go fast. I'll show you. Deuteronomy 4.20 says this, but the Lord selected you. So there's a selection show after worship this morning. There's a selection show where the NCAA says, we are selecting these teams to play in this playoff. But here's what's even bigger than that. God has selected us. uh, Deuteronomy 4.20, but the Lord selected you and brought you out of Egypt's iron furnace to be a people for his inheritance as you are today. I just want to say this. I just want to give props and praises to the Lord because he took me out of an iron furnace. I was in a place where I was trapped by my own sin, by my own misery, by my own direction, my own desires, and it was leading me into the place where I would be burned. And for those that have followed Jesus long enough, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Come on, wake up on me now. You know I'm telling the truth. Because you see, here's what happens. He can be trusted. He not only has a vocation, he has a location. We don't necessarily want the location until his desires uh, become our desires. We don't necessarily uh, want his vocation or location until his desires become our desires. So listen, you can make your own path and you can be successful, but there will be a, be a trail of tears. There will be marriages that fall apart. There will be relationships that fall apart. Your physical might fall apart. That might all happen. You will get what you want, but in the end, it will be a trap. God can be trusted. It's deceiving what, the, what Satan tries to put out. And I want to say what else is in Genesis 2? In the place where he put God, I mean, excuse me, where he put, God put man, where God put man, he also gave him his assignment, but he also gave him everything he needed in the midst of that assignment to do what he was called to do. Look at there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 and 20 through 23. Look at verse 20. So the man gave the names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Now this is what's beautiful the Lord's been showing to me. John, there's a location for the people that in the church. There's a location that he's going to send us. And when we're in that location, he will give us our vocation. Walking with Jesus gives us our vocation. And when we're in the middle of doing our vocation, then he sends us exactly what we need to fulfill what he's called us to do. So if you're single in the room, here's what I want you to say. If you walk with God and you do the things of God, he will bring you a woman and man of... Y'all ain't listening this morning. Y'all not even awake. Just eat some carbs. So the man gave names to all the livestock. He was doing exactly what God had called him to do. Vocation. The birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. 
Some of us are there right now. Let's speak against that. And while he was sleeping, speaking against that, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So she should be called woman for she was taken out of the man. Listen to me if you're single in the room. Listen, 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 listen. When you go into the location of God, it could be here, it could be at your job, whatever else. You go into the location of God where you're walking with God and you begin to do the things that God has for you. Guess what's going to happen next on the agenda? You got it. You will, you will discover the very person that God has called you to be with. But he won't show you that until you walk with him. Walking with him is primary. So Satan tries to deceive you and say, go this way, go that way, and you'll find what you want. And God says, if you find me, I'll give you all the desires. I'll give you all the treasures that I have. I will give you, according to all my riches and glory, you shall have what I have because you are following me. And now your treasure won't be on what I give you. Your treasure will be on the giver. And that's what God wants from us. So don't follow the way of deception. Deception is, this is dangling in front of you, and if you just get this, if you have this bank account, if you have this fame, if you have this career, if you have this degree, if you have this type of family atmosphere, then you will have, it's deception and lies and lies. Satan does not come to scare you, to harass you, or possess you, but he does come to deceive you. Now, let me make it clear. Following deception will lead to harassment. Following deception will lead to fear. And following deception will lead to possession. Judas. That's the gospel. He is faithful and he is trustworthy. Woo! I'm going to get there. We got we to do it. All right, so John 6, 35. So how, how do I know this has happened to me? That, that I'm saved. How do I know that the gospel of Jesus, which is, the goal is not the righteousness of Jesus. The goal is not eternal life, as John Piper would say. The goal is not that, that I'm healed. The goal is not that I'm forgiven. The goal is not that I get to go to heaven. The goal is, is that I have the presence of Christ living within me called the Spirit of Christ, and one day we'll be fully in His presence. That's the goal of the gospel. So how do I know, John 6, Gospel of John chapter 6, how do I know that I'm born again? I'm not born again because I don't sin. Hear me, saints, and the world looks at us, and you're a pastor, and you should not sin. Read the Bible, people. Read the Bible. John will sin. It's called gluttony, people. John will sin. John will have a bad attitude. John will lie. John will gossip. And it feels good. Nobody with me on that one? No, no one? John will hurt those, the ones he loved the most. John's a jerk. He's a liar. He's an idolater. Fornicator. Hater. Coveter at heart. And so people walk out in the world and go, well, what good is Jesus? What good is Jesus? I just like the way the S sounds, so I just want to kind of set that S. 
Jesus. The whole goal, the reason why I know that I'm saved, this is how the Spirit bears witness with my spirit, that I'm a child of God. Are y'all tracking me? Are you ready to go today? This is it. This is how you can know. Everybody ready? This is the major question. How do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm saved? I got donked. I, I take the Lord's Supper. I don't feel guilty. Uh, I prayed a prayer. Some pastor was, you know, preaching and spitting. And, and, you know, and I felt the presence of God. No, here's how you know. Here's how you know. John 6, 35 says this. He says, I am the what, saints? That's it. This is how you know. Jesus told him, no one who comes to me will ever be. I didn't hear you. Woo! That's how you know. That's how you know. And no one who believes in me will ever be what? Now, he's not talking about our physical desire because I'm always right. I'm always hungry. And then it's like a Christian cussing thing because when you drink a diet soda, they're like, oh, don't drink soda. It's going to give you brain cancer. Well, it's the only thing that kind of fills me up that keeps me from eating more bread, people. My point is this. This is how you know and how I know that I'm saved because there's an insatiable hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's not that I am righteous. It's just that I know that I need the one who is righteous. There is a hunger. When we come to Jesus, when Jesus takes over our life, we know this, that there's going to be a hunger to sin and a hunger for Jesus. But in the end, the hunger for Jesus will always override the hunger for sin. I didn't say that I'm sinless. I'm just saying that when I do sin, there's a conviction and it makes me realize that that is not satisfying me. That is not good enough. But there's one who can satisfy me. Piper said this, believing in Jesus is a feeding and drinking from all that Jesus is. It goes so far to say that our soul's thirst is satisfied in Jesus so that we don't thirst anymore. He is the end of our quest for satisfaction. That's when you know that you have been born again. That's when you know that you receive that's, that the thing, the hunger for the world the hunger for the world will leave you empty. Those that are not saved jump and dive into the hunger of the world and they just want more. We believers, when we sin, when we dive into the hunger of the world, we feel empty. It is not satiable. But then, God's words to something else. Robbie, you can come play over me on this. Y'all are going... He's about to finish his sermon. This is like the greatest day ever at Summit. I know. I know y'all are out there. You're Christian cussing me when it's like 12, 15. The lines are getting long, John. The lines are getting long. So everybody today, I just want you to know, Coach Chavel, everybody was all excited today for it being at 10 o'clock in the morning because, you know, then they get to eat early or something like that. But I just want you to know, here we go. This is how you know. Not only does my hunger and thirst change, my hunger for Jesus. Like, I have a hunger. I never had a hunger before for Jesus. But when you are born again, you have a hunger for Jesus. Robbie has a hunger for Jesus. He doesn't have a hunger to just play music and some bar down the street. 
I just wanted to do that. But we have a hunger that we've never had before. We actually open the Bible and go, God is talking to me. These are signs of salvation. These are marks of the Spirit working within us. Here it is, John 4, 14. Woo, this is so good. But whoever, but whoever drinks the water, I give him, this is the very words of Jesus, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never what, saints? Indeed, the water I give him, okay, let me stop. When we're born again, when the Spirit of God moves in us and wakens our dead spirit to Him, there begins to be a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, hear me, saints. Hear me. You can be saved and go to heaven smelling like hell. Come on, somebody. Hello, are we awake today? Woohoo! You can go to heaven and be smelling like hell. What do I mean? You can have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, but you can get off that path. You can get, and there's still a hunger and thirst there, but we grieve the Holy Spirit so much because we're satisfying ourselves with the things that are not of God. We can't hear the voice. You can be carnal. But you're going to be miserable because you're schizophrenic. And I don't say that in a mean way. Hear me what I'm saying spiritually. You have two voices in your head. You have a voice that says, love Jesus. And you have a voice that says, listen to deception. But here's what I know. The more that we, the more that we pour in the Spirit of God. So you listen to music of the music of the Lord, the worship of God when you don't even feel like it, right? Sometimes in Broadway, how many years and years and years did you just play at your house growing up? Man, you was on Fridays and Saturday nights. You're in there just playing and learning and growing in the Lord, preparing for this. Nobody knows the backstory behind that. Because here's what happens. Here's what I know when you become born again. One, you have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the hunger and thirst. Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. And then something else happens. This is another sign of your salvation. The more you feed the Spirit, look what happens in John 4, 14. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. The word in the Greek for welling up literally means to leap. It's used two other times in the New Testament. Two other times in the New Testament. And both are in Acts 13 and in Acts 14 when there was a paralyzed man and the Spirit of God led the disciples of God to tell the broken man of God to stand up. And he didn't just stand up, saints. He leaped. Y'all ain't, y'all, y'all with me? Like he leaped up. When the Spirit of God moves in us, let's go. Let's go. You don't need to get hyped. When the Spirit of God moves, we move fast. We keep in step with the Spirit. 
first mark of being born again and trusting God is faithful is that there's going to be a hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ. To pray, to seek the Lord, to read His Word. There's going to be a hunger. But then, when you and I feed that hunger, there's a second mark. That this, this, this hunger and thirst wells up within us. It leaps within us. We read the Word of God. The pages jump off into us. And all of a sudden, God begins to move mightily. This is what happens, saints. This is what happens when the Spirit of God moves in the people of God and the people of God trust Him. Do not be deceived any longer. The world will leave you empty. There is not enough winds. There is not enough degrees. There are not enough girls or guys or money that will ever, at the end of the day, on your deathbed, satisfy you. You will say, oh, how I hate a discipline. But there's something that the Word of God wants to spring up within us, to leap up within us. Maybe today God is leaping up within you saying this, stand up for me where you are. Stand up for me. Trust me. Follow me. Listen to me. Hear me. Walk with me. Don't follow the deception. Follow Jesus. That is what the Word of God promises. And if you hear all these words and you don't respond, that's a sign that your spirit is not alive. Back it up, John. I end with this. Here we go, Robbie. I'm going to end with this. John 6, I'm going to back it up. I'm not just making a statement. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me does what, saints? Yeah. And I will rise, oh, excuse me, I'll raise him up in the last day. John 8, 45 through 47. Here's the words, and we're going into prayer. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me, Jesus spoke to them. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? He says, if I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Now here's the answer, saints. When the Spirit of God speaks to the people of God, there's a hunger and thirst that's insatiable because we trust Jesus more than what the world can give us. It's not about sin's management. It's about openness to Jesus. That's why the more, I just want more of Jesus. I don't need to clean up my life. I just need to be around the one who can clean up my life. Verse 47. He who belongs to God. I feel like, I wish I had Jesus mania. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Let me talk to the old people in the room. Hulk Hogan, when he went Hulkamania back in the day. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? WWE? Okay, when he would tear his shirt. I feel like just having Jesus mania running wild, you know? Like, here's what he says. He says, he who belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not. What's it say, saints? What's God telling you today? What's God telling you? It's God telling you to trust Him. When you hear what God says, you leap. You move. 
So you need to come and just say today, God, I'm going to trust you in this. With my team, sweet mates, grandchildren, finances, career, where am I going? Injury, this, that, sickness, singleness, marriage, relationships. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Because the gospel is moving in our hearts. And those who hear belong to him. Father, that is my prayer today, that Christ is enough. My prayer is that we see you as glorified and that we can trust you and that you are worthy. So Lord, speak to us. I pray if there's people need to come forward right now, they'll come and just say, Jesus, I, I, I just need to trust you. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaping forward right now, even as John's praying. I'm leaping forward. I'm just coming right now. I'm just going to kneel and pray and say, I, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You're trying to get my attention, and here it is. Here's my attention, Lord. Here's my attention. Whatever you're saying to me today, here's my attention. Maybe some of you in this room will stand to attention. Either way, God is getting our attention. How will we respond? We will not follow the deceiver. We will follow you because you are welling up in us a hunger for you and not a hunger for anything else Lord and a thirst for you and no thirst for anything else and Lord if there's anyone here today that has heard your word for many many times and they have not ever responded there's not been a movement in their life I pray today that they would receive Christ as their personal Savior and Lord they can come forward and just say I just I, just, I gotta give my life to Christ we can walk them through that because you've already saved them there in the seat you're working on them. God, I pray, remove the deafness in our ears. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church.